Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to Radio Islam International with me, Sister Faiza Munchi, on this Wednesday morning on the New Horizons program. Alhamdulillah, today's program will be um, twofold again. Uh, you know, we have life lessons, the things we see day, day in and day out, but some of the lessons we can take from it, and um, some of the experiences that we have through our lives. So that's a new stuff that I've got where we talk about some of the things that we experience in life or perhaps some of the changes we need to make in order to make the world just a little bit easier, a little bit better. Um, on today, we will, we'll be swapping it around. My guest, inshallah, will be coming on later on in the program uh, where we'll be talking about teaching is a passion, not a forced career. So um, we're going to look at first, in the first part of the program on life lessons, we're going to be looking at why it matters to be kind. So why kindness matters. Um, and we just look at the aspects of kindness, the impact it has on you as, a, as an individual and then the people around you. Then inshallah later on in the program at 10.30 or so, uh, we're going to be talking to Sister Wada Joseph, and she's a Durban-based educator and author. And we're going to be talking to her about the aspect of teaching being a passion and not a forced career. You know, why is it that we see many people uh, over the years, they may find that they followed what their parents wanted. They said, you know, it's a career that young ladies and young women need to go into. And now maybe years later, they feel that they are a bit burnt out. They're not sure about what they're doing because it's, it's not, it was never a passion. It was something that they were sort of pushed into. But also just looking at the positive spin on that in terms of when teaching is a passion, what it actually does for people. I mean, I have seen that over time and you, you meet different teachers, you know, through your children's teaching, um, through your children's education and in the education system and you can just see certain teachers have got such a massive passion for what they're doing. It makes such a big difference. For now, a little bit of a breather. We come back, we talk about life lessons and later on we talk about teaching as a passion. Stay tuned. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Radio Islam International. This is Tifaiza Munchi on the New Horizons program on this Wednesday morning. So this morning on life lessons, you know, some of the things we can learn through our lives, what it is perhaps we need to take on. Um, we talk about kindness and I'm talking about kindness because it's oftentimes, you know, we, we, we hear so often that be kind because you don't know what the next person is going through. But let's look about, you know, let's look first at what is kindness. And then we look at why is it that, you know, it's okay to be kind. <laughs> um, why is it important to be kind to others? And so let's first take a moment to define what kindness is. Uh, kindness is an intentional act of compassion, thoughtfulness and understanding that involves treating others with respect and empathy. This can include anything from lending someone a helping hand, volunteering for a good cause, or simply smiling at strangers. Um, when we're kind, we're recognizing, listening to, and understanding the feelings of others. We're also trying to make their lives better in some way. When we start to include more kindness in our life, we're sending a powerful message to the world that we care for ourselves and for others. Now, oftentimes, we, we have moments where we'd rather just be angry, upset, and set the person with sort of the disrespect we, we feel they deserve. And I get that. Um, a life's hard, a lot is happening, uh, and maybe certain people really do um, rub you up the wrong way more often than not. But in a general sense, I just want to look at why kindness would be important. What, you know, what happens when someone uh, does something kind for us? So think about the last time someone was kind to you. Maybe a stranger, um, you know, held the door open for you, or someone you loved helped you with a task that you found daunting. You know, you think about how those things made you feel. Um, did you feel worthy? Did you feel happy? Did you feel valued? Um, and it's no secret. I mean, you know, when somebody is kind to us, it feels good. 
we feel connected, particularly within our families, within our relationships, in our homes, etc. Uh, it makes us feel appreciated and happy. But then you take that also within the workspace. A lot of people feel that, you know, people may be unkind at work or they may not be t- treating them with the respect they deserve. And that leaves a bit of taste in the mouth, having to go to work every day with people who are unkind. Um, you know, sometimes what we un- don't understand is that when we're kind, um, most of the important things we can do, like when we're being kind to someone else, so actually the impact is a lot on us as well. So that's also an important thing to see. You know, when we when we look at what we said, that kindness is this act where it's intentional. It's an act of compassion. It's thoughtful. You understand that, you know, you can treat others with respect and empathy. It's not like I mentioned, not always an easy task, you know, depending on the kind of day you're having, the time, whatever's, been, whatever's happening. But we can, either, we can have two defaults. The one default can be that we are kind to others, and the other default can be that we are, rude and obnoxious to others. So it's very important that at some point we start taking note of who are we becoming, what kind of human are we becoming, because it's very easy to fall into the space where we say, you know what, the world's a difficult place, the world's an ugly place, and people are not kind, so why should I be kind? And so then our default mechanism would then fall towards being um, rude uh, or just, you know, hitting back or being miserable and really just being unkind in our words. And there's so many ways that we, we can be unkind. But I think when we look at this aspect of being, you know, um, unkind, a massive part of it is sort of what comes from us, the things we say. So, yes, in actions, it's 100%. We can see that. And I think that very much um, comes to, you know, we, we have to look at that very much in terms of relationships with those that are closest to us our children in particular, because we may not always say unkind things, but the way we behave, you know, the banging of doors, the getting angry, um, those those non-verbal cues that just tell someone that, you know, you're not in the best mood today, stay away from me, etc. And on a consistent basis when this happens, it just, you know, people want to stay away from you. People want to just take a step back, you know. And so we're going to look at some of the reasons why kindness is important. And there's both personal benefits and being kind and the impact of our kindness on other people. So let's look at some of the personal benefits, right, of kindness and why. So if we are, by default, if we are angry and just annoyed with everybody and we don't want to be nice, then maybe this will give us that push. These reasons might give us a push towards why maybe, you know, we should be a bit kinder. Because the first personal benefit is that kindness makes us happier. Um... You know, research shows that the kinder you are to other people, um, the, the, the happier you feel. The reverse is also true. Happier people are kinder. So it really is, uh, it, you, when, you, when you're kinder to others, you feel happier. When you're happier, you're kinder. So it's just this beautiful cycle of being able to, to, to have a good day, in, so to speak, you know. Um, it makes sense when you think about it. When you're kind, we focus on others. We're not thinking about ourselves, our own problems. Our kind acts make others happy, and witnessing that brings us joy. So just think about the last time you did something really nice for someone. Um, Say you were having a bad day, but then you saw that they were having a tough time, and you decided, okay, um, let me use a simple example of, okay, let me take them, you know, a pot of food, or let me pick their kids up from school or madrasa, let me help them in in that hour of need. And that act of kindness, you saw the 
just the gratitude that came from them, the smile, the gratitude, the, the feeling of, sure, you know, someone took something off my plate, which for you may seem like a small thing, but for them was massive on that day. And that then creates the feeling of goodness in them. They're feeling good. They're feeling happy. Um, and in turn, that makes you happy. Because even though, you know, in that moment you may feel, and I have a lot to do, but in that moment of kindness, when you did something for someone else, you put a smile on their face, you saw their happiness, and it just came back to you in so many other ways. So our kind acts make um, others happier. Witnessing that brings us joy. When we're happy, we're motivated to be kind, and the cycle just continues like that. So it's, it's a much better cycle to have than to have a resentful cycle, a cycle where we're angry, a cycle where we're just miserable, a cycle where we will not do anyone, anything for anyone unless they do it for us. So it's an important space to be, to be able to say, you know, sometimes I just, just want to do a kind act so that we can have this reciprocal um, goodness within ourselves, our homes, our communities. And one of the biggest things, I mean, it makes sense, right, that kindness would strengthen connections. When we're kind to others, we strengthen those bonds of connection that make us feel seen, appreciated, and loved. How often is it, particularly as mothers, particularly as women, that we often feel unappreciated. So when somebody does something kind for us, there's no two ways about it. We are going to feel that sense of appreciation, the sense of gratitude, sense of love, the sense of care and connection with them. You know, it creates that trust and connection. So, you know, and people are more likely to spend time with us, want to spend time with us and help us out too and when we give that reciprocal kindness. So sometimes, you know, when you, as mothers, we know this all too well. You have a heavy day, you have a, tough day and there's just so much going on that you need a helping hand and when you when you know for the fact that when the last time someone asked you to do a school round you didn't hesitate you you assisted even though you were in a bit of a you know you might have been in a rush but you had your own things to do but you did it it's so much easier to reach out and say please could you do this for me you know so it's a reciprocal thing um it's also a very important part of emotional intelligence. It helps us to better understand, empathize with others, showing them that we care about their feelings and experiences. It helps us build trust and create meaningful human interactions and developing strong relationships that last. I mean, I think we have to look at very much within our own households. This act of kindness, this need to be kind to each other, because I think we really get caught up. We get so caught up in life and in bills and in paying and you're worrying about so many different things. I think the kindness has to come first between spouses um, and then between parents and children and then between those relationships with your your own parents and your relationships with your siblings. I think just starting there, I mean, just coming out of, you know, the 15th night of Shaban and the so many, so many lectures talking about the importance of that relationship with our families, the importance of building those bonds with our families. And if we look at this act of kindness, being kind, just every day, showing a bit of kindness to people and to those closest to us in particular, I always find it's very easy for us. And let's be honest, if we really have to sit and talk about kindness, it's so much easier for us to be kind to people that are not close to us. We're always happy to just, you know, put a smile on our face and say, oh, I'm so happy to assist you, etc. because it's something that, you know, it's once off, you know, you don't see people too often. I think the challenge comes in when we need to be kind to those who are closest to us. And I think we really all need to perhaps sit down with that, uh, you know, question of how am I with those who are closest to me? What is my relationship with them? What is my, you know, how am I treating everyone around me? And how, how am I being treated? So the next time you feel like everyone's treating you badly, 
perhaps it's time for us to sit down and take note. How am I treating everyone else? Am I kind in my speech? Am I kind in my actions? Am I kind when 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 my kids come to me with a problem, particularly our teenagers, um, our young adolescents, and they've got issues, and we feel like there's too much in our plate, and we push them away? You know, is that a moment of kindness? Should I be building those relationships a lot more? And it's really also good for our physical well-being. You know, the the thing is, when we're being good and we're feeling good about ourselves, and we're feeling good with our relationship with others, when we're being kind to others, it's it's shown. It actually shows that this physical health benefits, reducing stress levels, lowers blood pressure, it even boosts our immune systems. Because the angrier we are, the more irritated we are, the more we need to, you know, get back at whoever it is that's uh, done us wrong. Um, all those things are just really bad for our physical health. So in in some ways, we feel like we've got a victory. You know, I, I, I told them back. I told them exactly what I wanted to tell them. But in the long term, there's sense. There is no great benefit to that. The benefit, the, 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 the harms far outweigh the benefits when it comes to being unkind, when it comes to speaking in a way that is harsh to those around you or to those that you feel have harmed you, for example. So being in that space of being kind, being good, being... Um, you know, particularly positive in your countenance, it helps our physical health as well. And it makes us feel good about ourselves, you know. Naturally, yes, sometimes it takes a bit of work, depending on who you're trying to be kind to. Uh, sometimes it takes a bit of extra uh, sober and patience with certain people and in certain relationships. But at the end of the day, it's better for you, right? It makes you feel good about yourself. It 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 also, when you when you develop relationships with people and there's, there's kindness and there's goodness in it, you start having sense of belonging, you know. It reinforces your self-worth, it, it boosts your, your self-esteem. Um, and also the, a massive thing about it is that when we are kind and we see an impact on someone else, for example, we see this positive impact, we see the smile on their face, we see the gratitude, we see that, oh, we can have this wonderful conversation because we're just speaking in a respectful way to someone. It really does foster this idea that we have the power to make an impact on the world. Yes, one person at a time, one, one little child at a time, one spouse at a time, one relationship, one family relationship at a time. It gives us, you know, that sense of we can make, we really can make a positive impact on the people around us. And it also gives us the courage to stand up for what's right. You know, it's, it's a wonderful feeling that you're standing up for what's to, to make the world a better place. I know it sounds very cliched, but sometimes we need to feel that. We need to feel like, because if you look at a school setting, it's very difficult for a child to stand up for another and be kind to them if they're being bullied. But if that child has the um, capacity to do that, because at home they've seen that their parents stand up for what's right and they are kind and they're, you know, they, they're not disrespectful to each other, they're not disrespectful to them, they will stand up in in, a, in an outside space, in a school space, in a university space and say that is not a nice thing to do to someone else, you know. And that fostering that ability, that that empathy, that emotional intelligence is something that I don't think money can buy, you know. So it's really important that we understand as adults. We have such a massive responsibility in the way we treat each other and others. And it's not easy. I mean, on a daily basis, everyone has their challenges, they have busy days, they have stress, they have so much on their mind. Um, but I think being kind, when we look at the impact of it on ourselves and the positive impact it has, then it's really, really something that it's worth, you know, trying to do, even if it's difficult. Because when we are 
you know, on the flip side of it, when we look at being rude, being unkind, making sure we get our point across, isn't it exhausting? Like, I don't know if many of, many of you have felt this, but on a day when you feel like I'm going to get back at this person, it's a very exhausting day. As opposed to saying, you know, I've done something kind and somebody's really happy with what I've done or uh, I made an impact in one person's life for like five seconds, for, for 15 minutes of their lives, you know. Um, it would have taken them 15 minutes to do a little chore or buy bread and milk, for example, because they just couldn't get out of the house or their car got stuck, whatever it is. It's just, life is full of challenges. We all have them. Our friends have them. Our families have them. Our neighbors have them. And in those moments when they need a caring hand, a little bit of kindness, um, when somebody's sick and you're able to drop off a pot of food for them, when somebody's sick and you just go take a few minutes to go and visit them despite your busy schedule, like there's a sense of just goodness around it. You feel lighter, you know. And on the other side of it, it's truly when we need to have this need to get back at people, to make sure they know exactly how we feel about them from a negative perspective, it is extremely exhausting, you know. Um, and in all this about talking about being kind to others, the one massive thing um, I want to talk about is that we also, in our kindness to others, we must remember to practice self-kindness. I think that's something many, many, many women and many, many of us lack, is when we're kind to others, we're more likely to remember, we must, we're more likely to remember that, to be kind to ourselves as well. Uh, and showing self-kindness is just being less hard on ourselves, you know. Uh, we acknowledge our faults, we accept we've got mistakes, we, we're not uh, superhuman, we're human, but we forgive ourselves for our mistakes. Um, we accept that we're imperfect, we reduce that negative self-talk. And because if we can be kind to others, why can't we be kind to ourselves? You know, if you can tell someone, you're doing such an amazing job, uh, you're doing so well at your business, uh, you're looking after yourself so well, or they look so good, etc. Why is it that we find it so hard to tell ourselves that? We forgive ourselves, we give, you know, it's important for us to forgive ourselves. It's important for us to understand that we are not perfect. And this is the thing is that we live in a world where perfection is portrayed, but it's behind a screen. We don't know whether that is perfect or not. In, in fact, I think in our mind, if we really truly think about it, we know those pictures and those images and those lifestyles and those, you know, all of that portrayal of uh, shopping bags, it's not, it's not 100% true. So in those moments where we think there's others who are perfect, just remember that sometimes those images are just, most 90% of the times images are not true. There's too many filters on that. So, you know, take the filters off and understand that every human has got faults and flaws and they make mistakes. Um, but it's important for us to develop the positive mindset about ourselves. Because that in turn, you know, it's so interesting when we look at how the body works, is that every time we, we kind of, there's a, there's a positive relationship between ourselves, our mindset, our physical selves. And there's just such a beautiful cycle that starts developing. When, when we're positive and we're kind to others, we're kind to ourselves, there's an improvement in the health. But our improvement in health, we feel better. You know, when you're feeling better, you act better. And there's a more positive countenance. So it's always, it's always a win, you know. And when we're doing this, we understand that, you know, we've got rights unto Allah, we've got rights unto others as well. And our rights unto others in terms of being the kind words, the random acts of kindness, uh, you know, just that genuine smile that makes somebody's day, for example. Just understanding that it makes others feel good. It makes others feel safe. It makes our children feel safe. It inspires others to be kind as well. 
it creates a more positive environment in which we live. It's always, you know, when we look at the, the environment in which we live, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people going through a lot of difficulties. But when they see your pleasant countenance, the smile on your face, the salam that you make, um, improving every day, you know, making sure that we make salam to those whom we need to make salam to, in a way that they feel that, you know, when we walk... It's, I think the most important thing is when we meet our spouses and our children and the kind of salam we make to them. Let's be honest. You know, sometimes that salam is like so dragged out. It's almost like we can't even open our mouth enough, you know, to be able to make the salam properly. But I think it's really important, starting from scratch, starting from the home, starting from our children and our spouses and our parents and our families, is to be able to make the salam in a way that People can, even when they don't see your face, they can hear the smile, you know, behind it. They can hear the kindness behind the salam. No matter what kind of a day we're having, I don't think there's anything better than, you know, hearing somebody make salam in a way and greet in a way that is joyful, um, that feels good, that feels positive. So those are some of the things in terms of life lessons, just looking at this aspect of trying to be kind, being kind to ourselves, being kind to others, saying a kind word, doing a kind act. And the, and the positive impact that will have on us is long-lasting. And inshallah, that positivity will be long-lasting in the sense that our children pick up on the way we behave, our children pick up on the way we act, on the way we treat others, and then they will in turn treat us and others with that kindness and respect. I think we, we often think that we need to, you know, when we behave in a certain way in front of our children, um, either unkindness towards others or gossiping about others in front of them or saying ugly things, we think that we're doing ourselves a favor in that we're influencing our children towards those whom we don't like. I don't think there can be anything worse. Because oftentimes it falls back on us. So the better way to do it is to show kindness, to show respect, and to show children to mirror that what you want, how we want our children to treat us would be how we treat them and others in our in our environments. And even on a on a day, uh, I mean, let's be honest, on our school run, it can get pretty frustrating, from traffic to people at the robots to you know feeling like there's just so much going on. But let's just take a deep breath uh, wherever we can. We're not perfect, but wherever we can to show a little bit, random acts of kindness, inshallah, especially coming towards work two weeks, not less than two weeks now, before Ramadan comes. So inshallah, we can start our little random acts of kindness before the event of Ramadan comes. For now, we're going to take a short break. We'll get my guest on, inshallah, and we'll talk about teaching, um, and how teaching needs to be a passion and not something that is forced. Stay tuned. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Radio Islam International. With me, Sister Faiza Munshi, on this Wednesday morning on New Horizons. My guest on the line is Sister Waira Jusuf. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam, Sister Faiza. How are you today? Good. Alhamdulillah, and yourself. Alhamdulillah, shukr. So today we're talking about teaching is a passion, not a forced career. Uh, before we go into the actual topic, tell, tell us a little bit about what yourself, uh, about yourself, what you do, um, and why this topic actually resonates with you. Okay, so I am an educator, and my background is in psychology. And so I find that, um, you know, among my colleagues and in the spaces that I have worked in, that it's so important to, to um, you know, balance the passion and the profession. And so I feel that it's something that uh, it's really taken to me, you know, with me, and I see the the uh, the impact it has on the kids as well. You know, the kinds of teachers that they have and the way that they learn, and also just their general well-being. So it's really a topic that really resonates with me. We're going to go into that definitely now, um, Alhamdulillah. But uh, also, I just want to look at you have a 
a blog as well called What Wadi Says. Okay. Um, what does this blog focus on? And we'll bring a little bit of it into it uh, in a few minutes, inshallah. Sure, okay. What Wadi Says has been my blog since, I think, tw- uh, before 2015. And I focus um, now, I mean, it's evolved with me a lot along the way. But I think my focus of uh, teaching as a profession has been, uh, you know, always there on, on, in the background. Um, psychology and mental health, definitely. Now I'm doing more into parenting. And um, recently I've been doing a little bit more on uh, marriage posts you know, to help people who are married and people who are, uh, you know, wanting to be married. And so, alhamdulillah, the blog, the blog has really taken shape. And um, I focus on all of these things that are really, you know, um, close to my heart, can I say. <laughs> yeah, sure. And so let's talk about today's topic. We're talking about teaching is a passion, not a forced career. Um, is teaching a job or is it a passion? You know, how should we view teaching? You know, I think it's uh, definitely it's both because, I mean, obviously uh, people, uh, you know, go into the career because they obviously want a salary at the end of the day. But the thing with teaching is that it needs a lot of passion to, um, you know, to, to, to bring into the classroom and motivate the learners. And it's a whole different level, a new ball game when it, you know, when compared to other professions. So definitely it's both in that you do want the salary at the end of the day and you are working for that. I think it's quite obvious. Not everybody wants to admit that they're not in it, you know, uh, for, for some uh, sort of monetary income. But it really takes a lot of, um, you know, dedication and enthusiasm as well. And it's something that you can't just, you know, fizzle out in the middle of the day or in the middle of the year even. It's something that has to be consistent. And so for us as teachers, we really have to be, um, you know, uh, so focused on our own uh, self-care and mental health because that's really what, uh, you know, uh, allows us to, to thrive, can I say, in the classroom, not just in the classroom, but in the staff room as well, because, you know, we work with other adults as well, mostly women. And so definitely it's a passion, it's a profession, and balancing both of them is so crucial for, um, you know, for success in the classroom as well as for one's own mental health. So I must say, I mean, there's a few things there that you said, uh, that I'd like to pick up on. But and the first thing is that I don't think getting paid takes anything away from the passion of a teacher. Uh, and you see that, I think, as parents, when we interact with our kids' teachers, you, you know, everyone needs, like you're saying, everyone needs to earn a salary. You know, nobody is here um, mm. in it because th- that's just the way it is. But exactly. it's amazing how when you have an interaction with a teacher who is passionate about what they do, you can feel that energy. It's literally, you can feel that energy. And I think... Um, Many of our teachers, you mentioned, like I said, there's a few things I want to bring here. Is that you also yeah, mentioned poverty. And I, I think of oftentimes, maybe you can comment on this, it's not that our teachers are not passionate about what they do. It's that they're exhausted and they are teaching too many children at a time. And they don't have the, 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 the time for self-care. And then that cycle then comes into the classroom where they start losing passion for what they're doing. Not because they never had the passion, but because they're just exhausted. Exactly, 100% agree, especially in the school, in the, you know, in the cl- uh, classrooms that are, you know, uh, bursting at the seams. If the teachers are not given the proper, um, you know, resources that they need, you know, or even the, the, um, 
you know, as, as them they, themselves, they're not being exploited as human resources in that where uh, self-care and, and teacher wellness is not being, um, you know, encouraged in the school. It's just you, you expect them to come in there and do the job and go. So definitely, yes, that that definitely impacts on one's own motivation and passion in the in the profession most definitely. And I think people who are entering the profession need to keep this in mind. It's, you know, the idea we, we, we come into it thinking that, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to help all the kids. And then you don't realize that the kids are only one part of it. Obviously, a major part of it. But you're also dealing with parents. You're also dealing with school administration. You're also dealing with, you know, the conforming yourself within um, a system that... Uh, that, that we're all in as, you know, um, as educators. And so most definitely it, uh, all, all of it comes, you know, as a big snowball sometimes, and then we just uh, slowly, uh, it drains us away, most definitely. I think that's where, you know, the question comes in about where somebody starts off, you know, doing this as a passion, as almost as a passion project, and young girls are told repeatedly to go into the teaching field, you'll open up doors mm. for them globally, um, or, you know, you can get home early and you can have a family and you can, all of these things. And then they hit burnout because they give so much into it. Mm. Um, they start hating it even before the end of the first term. So how does one then balance? Because like you said, it's a balance between who you are as a teacher, how you interact with your teachers, how you interact with your children, but then also how you make a life for yourself amidst being a teacher and still loving what you do. I mean, what would you say to teachers listening or, or those who want to try and balance all of this out and still keep that passion for teaching? Yeah, I think uh, mo most teachers try really hard to do this. They try very hard to keep their profession, you know, uh, as, uh, sustainable, can I say. They want to sustain them, you know, throughout the journey that they're, um, that they're in on because they see the benefit that it has for the kids. But remember also that a lot of, uh, most teachers are, are mothers first, you know. We also have our own kiddos. So there's a lot of work-life balance that you have to uh, consider. Um, a lot of uh, teachers, it's, you know, in the profession, it's been, it, it's become something of a norm where teachers take their work home, you know, and you take all your marking home to do, you do all your prep at home. And I think no other profession asks of that as much as, you know, we ask of, um, of, of, of teachers. And so it's really, you know, young girls who are considering doing this, uh, must keep all of this in mind that their level of job satisfaction will depend on their, you know, work-life balance and their own personal well-being and, you know, um, all of this will obviously be crucial uh, towards your profession and, you know, your success as a teacher, but it will also be crucial towards your own personal uh, goals and whatever you are working towards personally. So it's it's something that I think not everybody talks about, but more and more and more often we're finding that more uh, is being put on a teacher's plate, uh, you know, especially post-COVID, I think. And um, it really impacts on the mental health. And uh, although it's, you know, a very well-intentioned we are and we give uh, girls the... The option, you know, go and study teaching, you'll get your holidays off and you'll be able to bring up your kids and understand what they're going through. But really, you have to recognize the challenges that come into it as well. But I just had, I mean, recently, in fact, just over the weekend, I heard an interaction between two people. And it's interesting you say this because it really relates to what we're talking about here. Because um, 
you know, the one person said to, to a teacher, they said, yeah, but you know what, you've got a half-day job, so, you know, you don't have to worry about that. And the teacher's response was, yes, I may get home at 2 o'clock, for example, but there's still admin and there's papers and there's exams and there's, you know, uh, books to mark, etc. So when people mm. go into teaching as a half-day job, um, what, uh, are they in for a bit of a shock? I think there's in, in, in for a bit of a culture shock when it comes to, you know, the way schools are run. <laughs> we expect it to be all, you know, uh, nice and rosy and we're dealing with these cute little kiddos and that. But the, the amount of paperwork and the amount of admin and the uh, amount of planning and things that goes into it and the amount of marking, obviously, depending on the size of your class, there's only that much you can do within a school day. Considering also, I think we must talk about the fact that, um, you know, break times are also duty time for teachers. It's not like, okay, they're going to get a nice, you know, uh, one or two breaks in the middle of the day to get all their things done. It doesn't work that way. Um, you you can fit in as much as you can, you know, during your schooling hours, but you, there's always something to take home. Even though I personally, um, the school that I'm in, I'm literally, I really encourage my teachers not try very hard not to take things home, you know, and uh, we can push deadlines if it's possible, but, uh, but not all schools and not all HODs think that way, you know, because I understand that when we go home, we also have to see to our own uh, family and our own kids and our own, uh, you know, as I said, the work-life balance. So it's really, um, yeah, it's not talked about enough, definitely. And how does your well-being, um, Wada, as a teacher, affect your learners? So you go to class um, and you've had a rough morning and mm. you've been stuck in traffic or you were late because your kids just didn't listen to you this morning and you mm. get into your classroom but you're not someone who can self-regulate you can't get yourself back in order quickly you know what does this do for your learners and on the other side of it when you a well-functioning teacher no matter what's going on around you what impact does that is so let's look at the negative and then the positive of then you know being able to regulate yourself being able to be well balanced mentally well balanced etc most definitely, you know, learners, they are, they, no matter what age they are, they are really, really perceptive. You know, they can pick up so quickly on the minutest changes in their teacher's, um, you know, attitude or, or, or whatever it is. And so definitely it does have a direct influence. Just a teacher's uh, daily wellness will have a direct influence on the atmosphere in her classroom, you know, and um, it affects also the receptivity, the, you know, how open the kids are to learning on that day. And so um, those are definitely the negative. So that will be for a teacher who, who finds it difficult to self-regulate before she enters the classroom. But obviously, uh, there are teachers who really put everything, you know, to the side and they, and they are able to, um, you know, focus and, and, and come into the class. And I think learners really, really then uh, benefit from that kind of um, uh, selflessness, can I say, but also the routine that the teacher sets in because... Uh, you know, they know what to expect when they see that teacher. So you get some teachers who shame, they, 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 they try their very best to keep, you know, what's on the outside, outside the classroom, and, uh, you know, and um, they come in and the kids really respond to that, and then, then you'll, get, you'll get the very perceptive
those learners who can pick up on the slight, you know, nuanced changes that the the, te- the teachers probably experiencing. So all of that really impacts, I would say, the general atmosphere of the classroom. And then the more sensitive learners, obviously, uh, they are more impacted because they probably coming with some similar baggage from home, and then they can, you know, p- uh, point out, you know, my teacher is not very happy today. My mom also wasn't very happy today, and you know, th- this is what led to it. And so then you get learners who pick up things like that, and and you know, it's um, it's sad that it happens, and it's sad that uh, the workload and what we expect of teachers is so high. But it's the reality of the day, and it's something that we really need to encourage uh, department heads and school administration to be aware of and to allow teachers, you know, uh, the, the, the use of resources and, and counseling or whatever it is that they need in order to, you know, have the greatest impact in their classroom. Now, we've spoken a lot about teachers, to teachers, in terms of what it is that they can do, you know, uh, the responsibilities, some of the things they need to do to take care of themselves. So the one uh, big thing we didn't talk about was the parent-teacher relationship. Hmm. Um, I think that's a massive one for many teachers. And instead of talking to teachers right now on this program with regard to how they should interact with parents, what would you say parents listening in terms of what is important when they are interacting with the teachers? I think it's really important for parents to, and remember I'm speaking as a parent myself, so I want both sides of the equation here, but parents really need to understand that they are partners in their child's uh, you know, education is like a triangle, a three-way triangle where you have the child, you have the parent, and you have the teacher. Nobody's trying to one-up the other. Nobody's trying to, you know, uh, lead the other. Nobody's trying to put the other down. I think that's something that parents really, really need to understand is that teachers really, really, really do want what's best for your child. And so, um, you know, we, we encourage open communication. We want, to, uh, you know, to have an open life. Of, of communication with our parents and we want them to um, you know uh, show us that they are involved in their child's education obviously doing this with mutual respect you know parents need to respect the teachers and the profession that they that they are in and obviously teachers would then respect uh, uh, parents from where they are coming from and I think it's important also for parents to understand that educators themselves are, are subject to so many challenges you know, and that they can face so many different hurdles in their job day to day. And um, I think it's important for now parents to recognize that teachers often, very often go out of their way, often even monetarily, you know, for the little crafts and arts that your kids are bringing home. A lot of the time the parents, are, sorry, the teachers are the ones who are, you know, funding a lot of those things. And so it really, parental support goes a very long way, um, you know, when there's mutual respect and understanding. And finally, uh, Sister Weda, with regard to some of the tips for teachers, we've just got a few minutes left. What would be your top tips for teachers in building passion for what they are doing? I think um, we all have to step back and ask ourselves and remember why was it that we became a teacher in the first place. And if you need to write that, you know, on your mirror and look at it every morning, then do that, whatever works for you. Remember that your role and what you are doing is impactful. It is, uh, you know, it's important. It benefits your learners. It is 100% appreciated. And um, you have the world on your shoulders as an educator. And so you really, really have to take time for self-care, 
take time to connect with your colleagues on a personal level as well and find the joy in your everyday uh, you know if there are little things you want to celebrate uh, a, a child got you know 5% more in this test than they got in the last test because you know they worked so hard you know celebrate that celebrate, find things in your day to celebrate and um, and, and I think the important thing is to know without a doubt that what you are doing in the classroom 100% shapes the future of the children that, who are in your hands. And it's, um, you know, you are an integral part of the system and so you really uh, 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 need to take care of yourself and you are loved and respected even though sometimes it looks the other way. Um, you, you are such a needed part of the system. And so, you know, really, really appreciate it. I think we have to go back and remember that as basic as it is, we have to, uh, you know, look ourselves in, in, the, in the mirror if that's what works for you and remind mm. yourself why you started in the first place. So exactly. It has been a wonderful conversation and I hope, inshallah, that for many of our teachers, you know, they get that love and uh, that care and respect from those around them and the parents in particular. Um, but thank you so much for your for your time and just remind our listeners what's your blog again what is it called? Uh, it's what wavy says w-h-a-t-w-a-y-d-s-a-y-s dot c-o dot z-a or it's easiest to just find me on instagram it's wahida underscore jusab j-o-o-s-a-b okay exactly so much it's been wonderful chatting to you on this topic amen shukran for having me that was Mr. Reda Joseph. We were talking about why education or being a teacher and being in the classroom is, it should be more about passion um, and really not a forced career. It, it, it's something that is very difficult, I think, to go in as a forced career every day because it takes so much for teachers to be there with their own lives and everything else that's going on around them, but also being in the classroom and being fully present. Um, and I must say, we totally appreciate, you know, the work of the teachers, alhamdulillah. They do, they do the work that many of us would not be able to do. That brings us to the end of today's program, alhamdulillah. Until next time, from me, Sister Faiza Munshi, it's wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.